Good day to you all, and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined by my dad, Jack. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I've had a had a nice uh, week last week, and it turns turns out that uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about what I what I did. I had yeah. Some, I had a uh, I have a cousin that lives in Pennsylvania. Just so everybody ha- knows, we recorded we were as we recorded is Monday. The 9th of October, 2023. So that oh. puts you in time space for us in case okay. you listen to this like later in the week, you know? And yeah. <laughs> Anyway, a few days ago, uh, my uh, cousin from Pennsylvania and her husband uh, stopped by to see us. And we used to, when we were full-time RV and stop in Pennsylvania and, and visit their Antique farm, I always referred to it as, because they live in a 1700s house and a barn of the same vintage. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that's newer on the property is a pool, swimming pool uh, outside their patio that they put in. Uh, oh, heresy. Modern, modern amenities. <laughs> <laughs> so I said yeah. that was the one thing that they really had that was uh, helped a lot getting through the uh, pandemic you know you couldn't go anywhere you, uh, you know, that was the place to go out and recreate and relax uh-huh. and, little exercise and, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway uh, there was a interesting and fun visit and mm-hmm. I didn't talk tech with them but I was aware very much aware of uh, Larry's business all his life and I just started th- thinking about our show today and maybe I mention a few of the a, a whole different arena of technology that he was heavily involved in in the in the 1970s he started pl- playing around on shortwave radio and i don't know if any of you know about that the only thing different really from than that from the uh, other radios is uh, the band width of mm-hmm. shortwave uh what it says shortwave or very high frequency uh, uh carrier mm-hmm. signals and uh, there's a lot of different ways that it's shortwave was used, but you can buy radios designed to pick up all different. It's got a lot of controls that you got to understand as to what, what, how to tune into a particular channel once you, mm-hmm. you get some indication that it's there. But Larry uh, started a business over a po- about a ten year period as he was learning more about shortwave radio that the whole. It's at that those frequencies, uh, the signal travels around the world, so it's really worldwide radio. And he sort of coined the term uh, uh, world radio. Uh, That was another word in there, but for that. But uh, what Larry did is he said uh, there was no publication or anything to know. You just had to go on and explore through the frequencies and try to find what you could and. If you you know you found something you like, you'd come back to you write it down and maybe come back to it and get get to be friends with the people at the other end or whatever, uh, fellow hobbyists in the shortwave business. Or there was a lot of serious uh, users of it, including America Free Radio back before the when the Iron Curtain was still around and and all of this. So they carried and BBC had was a big user or a big broadcaster in the early days. Has a whole list of. Uh, Thousands of shortwave radio uh, transmissions uh, worldwide, and uh, a lot of them were hobbyists. But then, as I said, were serious broadcasters. So in a way, it's kind of like podcasting is today, mm-hmm. uh, except except that uh, instead of an internet 
going over. You were, you were just doing a direct radio transmissions to whoever wanted to tune you in. And the, the real advantage there is, is that you were really talking out to the public. Because once you go on to you, you know, you establish your channel and get your license and stuff. Uh, after that, you're the only one that's to broadcast on that. Uh, at least it's managed then uh, that those frequency allocations are managed by mm-hmm. the government. And, uh, and somehow there were some international agreements and whatever as to how, who got what spectrum. But anyway, Larry started writing, uh, logging all of the, the, he, he monitored a lot of different pl- places and gathered information and, and had other contacts that he had made, uh, during the seventies. And by the time the eighties got around, he published a, uh, book that was, uh, became the standard reference for all frequencies worldwide of, uh, of everybody's channel out there, how, uh, what modulation type, uh, types they had on their radio and, and everything that you needed to tune in. And there was a little blurb on what kinds of, you know, channel it was, whether it was yeah. a broadcast it was channel or something. called passport to world band radio. It was an annual published book, uh, yeah. that, uh, essentially had all of the information about known publisher or known broadcasters and the frequencies that they broadcast on and the time frame. Although a lot of the smaller broadcasters didn't have a specific, um, uh, schedule or anything, uh, you know, but this is how you found out who you could go listen to and or talk to. Yeah. So anyway, I knew Larry had dropped out of that. Uh, turns out it was 2009. I couldn't remember when until I happened to read, read it in an article online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, he's just, uh, 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 pointed out some of the reasons that it was really valuable. And I'm thinking that maybe somebody ought to bring it back and, and publish his book again, because, yeah. uh, when wars are going on, it's the only way that you can communicate that really there is no good way to block it. Yeah. So that, uh, it was used by, you know, the, uh, American free radio to to talk to people in communist countries that couldn't sure. contact anybody in the outside world except that way because everything yeah. else was blocked. Well, something else that they did within the magazine, not only did they publish who was broadcasting and on what frequencies and stuff, they also did reviews of different radios, which is interesting, too, because when you decide to get into this, you know, it's a few sure. hundred bucks to buy the equipment to start and you know you, you you don't want to spend your money and then buy something that's that's no good i mean the the article was interesting because they they actually reviewed a uh, early chinese radio and they said it was the first time they'd ever seen a radio that uh, automatically just shuts off after a given amount of time like a coin operated washer and so yeah. but it was only 55 dollars, so it was like it was a really cheap radio but it was it also it was it was what you got you know you got what you paid yeah. for right uh, yeah, I, I remember when I had a radio at home uh, when I was a kid that had uh, a, a switch so that you could have AM, FM, uh, and shortwave. Yeah. And I, I got on that shortwave a few times and listened to some conversations. I had no idea where they were coming from, you know, unless you just happened to be there when they sign on and then they, yeah. they'll tell you. Yeah, when they used uh, to sell AM, FM radios, having shortwave on that wasn't terribly unusual and they still sell some radios like that mostly they're they're sold to like the um 
the 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 prepper crowd, the people who are you know who are ready for world catastrophe and they want to be able to hear what's going on in the world, because like you said, that's the one thing that seems to be uh, able to to get through most interference and uh, and is worldwide. So, well, and uh, it was used here in the U.S. in emergency situations, so mm-hmm. that uh, you could coordinate uh, with the police and the fire and all those people. They had short wave in their uh, vehicles and and handhelds so that uh, uh, they could uh, uh, respond and get help, you know. And so that that was the primary use that I remembered yeah. here. I think a lot of that, at least here, has been replaced by digital broadcasting. So that, like, there used to be people who would sit around and listen to police scanners, you know, to see what's going on with the police in their area. The problem is, is it's now all digital uh, signals and it's encrypted, so you can listen, but there's you're just getting noise, right? You know, yeah. And so, yeah. and there were attempts to build uh, digital radios, but the uh, mm-hmm. vendors didn't really come out with any really adequate products. So if you look into this, it really wasn't very successful. Yeah. Uh, so, but but the bandwidth of this was could handle and and deal with digital and all this other stuff too. Mm-hmm. So. Anyhow, uh, it was kind of interesting knowing Larry, and at times he had talked to me about it. One of the things about uh, it affected his life is he's never owned a television set because he was always on radio. That was his interest. It was his hobby. And and even today, he sits around and listens to radio. Yeah. You know? Well, he's also a guy who lives in a 300-year-old, you know, house so yeah <laughs> so he, he, he you know he's, he's got a special you know a very specific taste uh that's you know, right it's funny though you say you know he he sits around listening to radio but you know he's got a wife yes <laughs> she doesn't want television either huh? she she buys you know she lives in that that 300 year old house with him i got a question that's for right. you though even though it's a 300 year old house i mean it's it's been updated right it's not it, it's not like they don't have electricity and they don't have running water and and indoor bathrooms right i mean this is it's it's no I, no, no no they have they have all those things right uh, but there's only one room that looks modern and mm-hmm. that's an add-on to the end of the house uh that shares the chimney for the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it was built on the end of the house that had a chimney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyhow, uh, and, and that chimney is, was an old chimney, but, uh, they, uh, she's, she does. She, they really, uh, love old stuff. And she Clearly. would host, host, uh, she's in the politics, mm-hmm. uh, county level, uh, townships and stuff and what projects are going on. So very active in that. And so she would have uh, parties and she'd cook the stuff over the fire, just like they used to do in the old days. Cause this thing had these handles that you put the hook, the pot on, and then you could rotate it out, to uh-huh. stir it up and see how it's going and, and put it back over the fire or partly over the fire. Yeah. I, I, I can't help, but I, I got to ask a question. You referred yeah. to the thing that goes over the fireplace that allows smoke to go out of your house. What do you call that? Oh, there was a chimney. Okay. And, that, oh. that time you said chimney. Previously, you were saying chimney. And I'm like, what's a chimney? I mean, I kind of knew what you were talking oh. about, but you were adding a, a syllable. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. okay. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, maybe that's a, uh, you know, it's not a word we talk about often. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that's a throwback to the way they say things in Kansas. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're an old Kansas boy. What's, uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was saying it. 
You know, but but it's the song, right? Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim right. chim. That's that's right. where they. That's where yeah, they. Maybe say, that's where. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and maybe that's an English pronunciation, the a chimney. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I uh, it sounded different to my ear. So yeah. Um, I used to love that song. I had a Disney album when I was a kid. I think you guys got it at a Gulf Western gas station. And it had like uh, one song from every Disney movie that had been out at that time. And, you know, when you're a kid, a lot of those Disney movies, the music sticks with you. Those are the things you like, right? Oh, where did you hear the music? You had, it was from an album that it, I had? It, it, no, it was a record that you had got, I think, at a gas station. And it, you got it for me. And so I listened to it over and over and over when I was younger. I, I, it, I think I think you think it was from a gas station, but that was a record that that I got from personally from the guy who made it. Okay, and he since passed away, but he was a, uh, a jack of all trades at various times. He when you say guy who made it, this was Dick Van Dyke singing. Oh, oh, I see. It's, it's vocals. It, yeah, it, this was this was it was oh, a it was a okay. it was it's it had a Gulf Western logo on it, the orange globe, and it had the um uh the it was the hits of Disney movies and so you know, it was the original people who sung it for the movie. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, I I I just recently listened to uh the songs I was referring to by Al Alton from, mm-hmm. who was from uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and he he uh, for years demonstrated organs that called clavinovas that were made mm-hmm. by Yamaha Yamaha keyboards, mm-hmm. and he uh, had the most phenomenal music. A lot of which was from Disney themes and stuff. Yeah, uh, on on an album that he recorded and gave to me, and uh, I ought to send this that to you so that you can hear how good he was. Yeah, well, I'm sure he was excellent. If he was the guy going out and demoing all that stuff, then he he probably knew it cold. He, he sold clavinovas at every place who carried them. You know, he would yeah. go around to the shops and they they mm-hmm. schedule him in to to put on a show. Yeah. Well, there was a time, you know, back when America had malls, that it was not unusual that there would be a, uh, a, a organ or keyboard store in the mall. And there was always a guy sort of standing in the entryway playing music to yeah. get your attention, yeah. to come over. People would well, stand and well, listen. Well, you know, on YouTube, you, there's a whole lot of places that have pianos. They do that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's getting it's really popular on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, you know, but it, anyway, it, yeah, I mean, if you if you're in a music store of any kind, most of the people who work there are musicians yeah. who need money. And so and so, they, right. you know, they'll be happy <laughs> to sit down and play for a while to demo something for you. You know, sure. Yeah. So any anyhow, uh, you want to. Yeah. Anyway, the shortwave radio stuff to... is very interesting and it's interesting that you've you know got a. Uh, a relative that that was kind of really deep in that and kind of crucial to uh, to uh, some of its success, I think, too. You know, yeah, um, pre- pre- pretty much at the time that I was going to com- uh, early computer shows and computer, we had a computer club meetings and stuff like that. He was doing a similar thing in the with mm-hmm. on the radio, except that he, his friends he was meeting online. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like meeting local people. This was worldwide. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was. It was the cloud before the cloud, right? Yeah, and what I thought was interesting, he he referred to it as just monitoring 
these stations, and he got collaborators throughout the world who helped him gather the data that went into his magazine. Yeah. You know? By the and, way, uh, I heard an interesting, uh, I don't know if it's a joke or a comment or how you want to say, I guess it was on a t-shirt. And it said, when you think about it, Moses was the first guy to download something from the cloud and put it on a tablet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's clever. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I cut you off when you were talking about it, but yeah. So, um, yeah. also in the world of tech, we've got some stuff going on. Um, so there's a rumor, you know, there's been some saying Apple's done for the year. Others are saying now that, you know, Apple might kick out a few new updates to its uh, Macs. And, you know, they may not even have an event for some of this if all they're doing is doing a, uh, you know, an internals bump on some things. Yeah. Um, Update, updating the M2s with M3s. Or something yeah. Like that, you mean? Yeah. I mean, it's been forever since they updated the um, uh, the iMac. You know, that that was uh, one of the first computers that they came out with, with the M series chips, the M1. And so it's mm-hmm. probably overdue for something, even if they don't come out with a larger one, you know, it's a 24 inch one. And it's funny because it replaced if the IMAX that were immediately before the M one was a 21 inch and a 27 inch. So they came out with a 24 inch, which to me sits right in the middle. I'm not sure that they are ever going to come out with a larger one, but maybe eventually they'll come out with maybe a 30 inch or 32 inch or something, you know, because they did have uh, an iMac Pro that was sat. Well, no, I think that was still 27 inches. I don't think they ever got the 30 inches. So who knows how that's going to be. But, um, you know, they're saying it's been 120 days since Apple's released a new Mac. And the last one was the Mac Pro and Mac Studio uh, M2s. So that's, you know, not that long for those. But some of that stuff like the, um, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, iMac has been sitting for quite a while, and uh, mm-hmm. I've noticed that the prices have dropped. Um, you know, in a lot of places for the M2 uh, MacBook Air, it's now yeah. like sitting at a thousand bucks instead of eleven ninety nine, so a couple hundred bucks off. And that thousand bucks was right about what they've been selling the uh, original MacBook Air, the M1 MacBook Air, which has the traditional wedge design. And I'm yeah. wondering if. They're going to finally Clearance drop sale, that. Right? Yeah, they're going to drop the old M1. The M2 now drops into that $1,000 price slot, and then they'll have an M3-based one that looks just like the M2 but is got more oomph, you know? Although, yep. you know, it's interesting, and I, I haven't seen a whole lot yet in terms of people doing CPU tests between the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 15 because the iPhone 15 is the one that went to the 3-nanometer process, which should on paper, make it a faster chip, right? And yep. make it run cooler. And instead, what we've had is, you know, overheat gate with the iPhone 15s, which has been resolved, by the way. And uh, yeah. so if you have an iPhone 15, or actually if you have any iPhone or any iPad, you should upgrade to 17.0.3 because there are some other bug fixes in there as well. But apparently there was a problem in the software that wasn't actually even specific to the iPhone 15 that could cause some um, uh, processes to basically loop, and that was causing the overheating. And so they fixed yeah. that. Uh, without, you know, slowing anything down or changing anything. It was just like, oops, we had a bug that was causing things to get into a loop. 
uh, and, yep. you know, rev the processor, which is, you know, that's what it sounded like to me up front when they talked about it. It sounds like something yeah. is, is they've got a runaway process here that they need to nail down and fix. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. What do you think about, uh, the idea of new devices imminent? I, I would be shocked if it was before the end of the year, but I guess we are still only in October and they well, have traditionally we- released some gear like, you know, sort of mid to late October, right? Uh, I think so. You know, mm-hmm. as Christmas is coming up, that seems like a time people want to spend money, you know. So yeah. uh, you'd want to be that out there in the market. So yeah. I think there's it's an attractive idea that uh, that they would come yeah. up with something new for the holidays. Yeah. And honestly, the iMac and the MacBook Air, if those get an M3, you know, they were the first ones out with the M1s. And if they were to get that with the M3... Uh, the first ones with the M3, that's, those are the ones that people are more likely to buy as Christmas gifts and stuff for kids, you know, in -hmm. college or in high school, you know, that, that need a computer. Um, so that, I think that probably makes sense. Um, you know, and then follow with like an M3 pro or an M3 max for the, um, uh, for the pro versions of the laptop, maybe, you know, after the first of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, It all depends on how many M3s they can get out of the factories, you know. That yeah. With the stuff going on over there, uh, it has. They've been some issues, I think, in terms of getting adequate supply. Right. So I. Uh, uh, but that that'll that'll determine how much they announce, you know. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe something that wouldn't sell a lot, but but at least it would get an upgrade. Yeah, uh, that's true, too. Yeah, if they're having production problems, then they may go for one of the lower sales volume products first because then you don't need as many. Um, you know, so maybe go for uh, one of the pro versions of the laptop. But, uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, a part of me, I guess, what was I was hesitant because I was thinking maybe it's too late in the year. But then, you know, right, we're only in the first week of October or the second. We're just now at the beginning of the second week of October. And, uh, well, I don't think people don't think of Christmas until probably late, uh, September. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Late October, uh, no. or early November. Right. You know? Yeah. No, but what I was saying is, is that Apple, you know, has traditionally put things out sort of in October. They do the phone thing in September. And then in October, they usually follow with, you know, uh, a, um, Mac OS based device. Let's see. Know, Thanksgiving is the end of November. So. Really, people don't really think about Christmas until after Thanksgiving. I mean, that's kind of... Well, I think they do a little sooner than that now. <laughs> Mostly just because the advertisers literally start, start putting yeah, stuff if, out. You know, well, you can't if, go into yeah, a store and not see Christmas w- stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Christmas, the stores do. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think the stores have for quite a while said, well, once we take down the pumpkins and, and ghosts from Halloween, you know, that we put up Christmas stuff. Because there isn't really a whole lot of Thanksgiving decoration, you know. That's right. That sort of rollover from unless you're unless you're a food store, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's the exactly. Yeah, it's the it's the Halloween decorations minus some skeletons and pumpkins. Right? You can even leave the pumpkins out if you didn't carve them, because then it still it still looks like you know autumnal. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I I, I you know I'm not in the market for a. Uh, a new computer or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if I guess if they did do something here in the next two or three weeks. But um, I would bet 
that if they do it, it's they're not going to do any major redesigns on anything. I wouldn't expect that. Maybe they will, but I, I wouldn't expect it. So I would bet that if they do, it'll be just a uh, you know a product announcement. Yeah, they'll put out a news release, and suddenly new stuff will be in the store. You know, but yeah. like we were saying, I I'm, I have seen like iFixit teardowns and uh, and um, comparisons of the iPhone to previous the current iPhone to previous iPhones. What I haven't really seen, and what I'd love to see, is some uh, speed comparisons between the uh, iPhone 15 and its predecessors, and say, well, do we really pick anything up um, in terms of processing power? I'm not confident. That we, it doesn't seem to me like we did. Well, you know, doesn't to seem me, obvious more, to me that we did. To, to me, a more important thing, at least from a sales perspective, is customers. Most customers, you and I are the exceptions. Uh, don't they don't care about the clock speed or the processor or anything? Mm-hmm. All they care is functionality. So if there's some new functionality that you get yeah. with that in additional performance, then that's what will be highlighted. And right. Uh, you know what uh, the 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 iPhone 15 uh, is obviously uh, has, has some added functionality, with, especially with that last software update right. that you don't get with any of the other iPhones. And so that's that's really what you're at. That's really what the, the performance. Yeah. In, well, and let's face it too. The, means, the emphasis you know? is is a lot of it's on the camera, right? And so is the camera better? Yeah. You yeah. know. Well, and and I've got to say, when we get towards the end of what we're talking about today, I'll talk a little bit about my experiences with the camera because I put it through the paces here recently, and and was well, I'll save my I'll save my comments till then. But in uh, fact, uh, to a great extent, if you, you know if you're not a camera buff, there's a lot of inter- upgrades in the recent history of the phone that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have cared much about. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the, the major upgrades on the phone seem to be in the camera systems. And, uh, you know, everybody uses the cameras, but a lot of people don't care. It's just a quick little snapshot thing, you know, and so right. they don't care about the, the difference between good and really good, right? Because <laughs> they've been good right. for quite a while. And, and they yeah. seem, what amazes me is how they still seem to get better every iteration. But, yeah, you, uh, you know, be, being in a technology business, you, you kind of wonder where the, where the technology, uh, uh, how should I say this? Uh, where it hits a wall, where, where, <laughs> it slows down. Yeah, hits a hits a wall where you can't really come up with yeah. anything else. You know. Yeah. And well, it's like it's I mean, with the camera. You know, camera you're you're making an interesting or a good picture. Yeah. How do you how do you keep improving on a good picture? It's already a good picture. It looks good. You know. I mean. I guess you could do some things like Samsung was doing with their um uh was the their uh star pictures their moon pictures where they they used AI to basically create a moon even if you couldn't quite see it in the in your photo <laughs> so that your so that your photo always looks perfect because we know yeah. what the moon looks like so as long as they identify it as the moon they go oh, okay we'll just stick a really good version of it in there uh, <laughs> That's that's cheating. That wouldn't make a professional yeah. photographer happy at all. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no, they, they were up and <laughs> up and up in arms about it. Some people. Yeah. One guy, what he did is he took a picture of the moon, and then he put it on his his five K uh, 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 screen 
and then intentionally blurred it so that it was clearly blurry. So a good picture from the camera, if it's accurate, is going to be blurry. He took the picture, and then when he went to go look at the picture that he had taken, it was a perfect picture of the moon, sharp as a tack. He says, obviously, they're doing something here. They're making, they're making a picture that they're not making the best of the data they're collecting in the, in the image sensor. They are saying, hey, I know what this is. I'm going to give you the best picture of it. And that's not my picture. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, yeah, I would be upset because if they're doing that there, where else are they doing it? You know, right. You know, are they building a library of pictures of my family? So every time I take a picture of my family, they just paste well, in the best face. Want, they, they want to be in the front seat in charge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I would like the image to be at least something, uh, uh, based on the picture that I took, not on, on, you know, a picture somebody else took that they've decided somewhere is the air quotes here, ideal version of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to do something artistic, you certainly don't want them going in and saying, no, 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 you didn't do it the right way. We're going to do it for you. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to modify a photo. It's another to just use a different photo of the same thing and say, that's it. That's the one you took. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So, um, I think, let's see if I've got the dates right here. Uh, Amazon's doing a prime big deal days, two day event. Uh, 10th and 11th. Isn't yeah, it? it's kicking off on the 10th and 11th. And so, uh, if you're interested in a pair of AirPods Pro 2, uh, that have the, uh, USB-C USB. and MagSafe charging. So USB-C is the new part there. Uh, they're going to be available for uh, $199, which is down from the original price of $249, so it's $50 off. That's a pretty good discount uh, on yep. that. So uh, Yeah, it is, and they're excellent, excellent speakers. I use mine every night. Yeah. Mine, mine are just the Pros, not the Pro 2. Yeah, I've got the Pro 2s, but this... This Pro 2 with the USB-C has apparently also made a few other adjustments. They There were several people saying they should have called it Pro 3 or Pro 2.5 or something to, to yeah. differentiate because there's apparently a few other differences besides just the C USB-C in the charging case. But um, yeah, Well, anyway, mine, mine's always MagSafe, so I care less about Pro the uh, USB because I, <sighs> I have my charger right by my bed, yeah. and it's just always laying on that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's how I usually charge mine too. Um, and that's its place to, so I can always find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I, um, uh, I really like it when I'm traveling. I, you know, that's the you want to cut down on the noise in an airplane. Pop in yeah. these; and they do a really good job of noise canceling, and the, you know they isolate you from the from the noise in the cabin pretty well. And uh, you know you can sit and watch a movie and. I have that. You have some, some subtle difference with it. I forgot what Pro Two added to it, but uh. yeah, there was a couple things. I think the sound quality improved a little bit because I had some some Pro Ones too. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know they're good. They're really good. And uh, you know if you don't have a pair of earbuds, you know again you can get the 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 base ones for you know a hundred on sale right around a hundred dollars the airpods but and so these are twice that but they usually sell for about 140 and then the airpods 3 uh not the pro but just the airpods 3 sit at you know like at 170 and uh, there's no way i would buy those at 170 when these are available you know at 200 for 30 dollars more these are 
Absolutely. Yeah. I I, I had the AirPod uh, AirPod Three mm-hmm. and gave them. I gave them to Noah mm-hmm. because I they wouldn't stay in my ears. Yeah. Well, and, and realize the AirPods and the AirPods Three both sit in your ear and just hang there. The AirPods yeah. Pro actually fit into your ear with a little rubber tip. And they've got that's, three different. They come with a couple different sizes, and so that's, that's how they right. seal the exterior sounds out. Part, you know, that helps with the sound isolation. But so, it, but they most, also stay in better. More important to me is it keeps it in the air. <laughs> yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they stay. So, they definitely stay in the ear uh, better for those that they fit. I'm sure. Like you know, I mean, ears are pretty unique things, and uh, it, it, everybody's going to have a different experience with what does and doesn't work for their ear. I, I think they they did it for the average ear, and mine are big. And yeah, they don't fit tight. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm sure they they try to hit that happy medium that's going to fit in the most ears possible, right? Especially for the ones that yep. don't have replaceable ear tips that you can adjust the size on yep. a little bit. Um, you know, my wife has a pair of the uh, uh, AirPods. AirPods three yeah. and she likes them. She likes them a lot, but you know, admittedly she's got much smaller ears than I do. She's a much smaller person than I am. Yeah. Well, I, I bought them to use while I'm sitting up in my uh, chair in the living room, but, uh, I didn't use them very much because if they drop there, they usually go down in the crack between the seat. <laughs> and, and I don't like fishing out stuff out of that and trying to keep it from falling through the bottom <laughs> Yeah. Somewhere it's hard to get to. So they are tiny. I, yeah. Yep. They sure are. And slippery. I mean, I can't even hardly hold on to them in my hands or really. <laughs> anyhow. Yeah. But you know, they're, they're, at least they're, they're bright white. So they fall into a dark spot. You can kind of find them, you know, they're not. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> if you got a spotlight, dark gray or something, you know, it can hunt them down. So, yeah, being yeah. that they make noise, uh, I wish they could, but they don't make, a, you know, even with, when your ear, it sounds very, when they're in your ear, it sounds very loud, but when they're out of your ear, they automatically shut off, but you can make them make noise, but those little speakers don't sound mm-hmm. loud when they're not in your ear, right up next to your eardrum, you know, across the room, you yeah. can, I can't hear it. <laughs> so, I found this next thing I thought was kind of interesting. It's, um, uh, a, there's a, a video showing a touchscreen Mac. Now, Apple never made this, but they did through one of the, through what they called their value added reseller program. And yeah. a company called Elo made a touchscreen Mac back in 1999. It worked with the iMac G3 and it was basically set up to be a, a kiosk type thing. So you could set it up like in a mall or in your store or something for information or ordering or th- something like that. So they had a touchscreen sure. on it. And, uh, I thought yeah. that was very interesting. Although, you know, that would be also set up to run custom software that made the touch points and stuff large enough for you to hit with your finger because you know, trying to tap on the open and close and resize window stuff on a typical Mac, even today on a big screen, that, that that's not a very large touch point. It's just not designed for touch in and of itself. You well, know, the, the OS is the indi- the indicator doesn't have to be big as long as the sensor that uh, behind it you're you're looking for a specific uh, right. area. But when you've got a, like a, like a, a radius. In, on a on a Mac interface on a window in the top left corner, you've got the three little buttons, right? You've got the close window, you've got the shrink window, and then you've got the the uh, oh, yeah, max those. maximize window, and those are all pretty close together. And so that's not just not you know the the OS is not yeah. designed for touch interface. A touch interface 
usually are larger indicators with more space between them. And regardless of whether you show it on the screen or it's just the touch uh, sensor, you've got to have a large enough touch space that you can clearly identify you're touching this versus that versus the other thing. So all I was saying was that, you know, even though they had a touch interface on a 1999 Mac, that wasn't for running the operating system. It was for running some kiosk software that where where they clearly would make touch points that are larger uh, for people to use. But now that that add-on product was that just a a, a stick-on screen? I don't think it was stick-on in in the sense that you know you didn't apply it. I think you bought a modified version of the of the uh, iMac from uh, Elo, and they were a certified reseller because they were a value-added reseller. So mm-hmm. they they signed up for a program from Apple where where they bought equipment from Apple and then modified it and then resold it into a specific marketplace yeah okay. you know this wasn't something that was commercially available for individuals to go buy this was really set up to be something that was sold into businesses that needed a you know like an information system in a public place or you know in a store or something like that right so but apparently somebody found one on ebay <laughs> yeah but 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 my question is why would somebody want to use an something as expensive as an iMac for that application when an iPad is available? <laughs> well, they would didn't this was this was in 1999. That yeah. was, you know, 8 well, years before the first then. yeah, it was 8 years before the first iPhone uh, you know, and yeah. and about 10 years before the first iPad. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean obviously today there's lots of better solutions and in fact, you know, I I You'd be hard pressed to to not find places that don't have you know that that aren't using iPads for cash registers to run you know that kind of software or That's information right. kiosks. I mean they're they're all over the place for that kind of thing. Um, you know yep. I I go into uh, a lot of uh, restaurants and stuff, especially if they're small private owned places, or even now if you go to um, like a uh, farmers market um, because they're you know they've got um, cellular built in. People are using iPads with a uh, with a uh, Bluetooth attached card reader to do pro- you know sales and stuff right there while you're out in the farmers market and things like that. Swap meets. You know, used to be you had to carry cash. Yep. Now they don't want your cash. They don't want that dirty money that people's had their hands on. <laughs> they, they'd much rather you tap to pay. So anyway. Uh- it uh, apparently ha- has an application, at least in terms of a Mac, new MacBook Pro that has a, an OLED display that could be the first touchscreen Mac in 2025, according to the, the author, Mark, mm-hmm. Mark German, who's not just the author, but he's the guru of a lot of yeah. leaks. He is. He is. Although he doesn't say I've heard or anything in this. So, you know, this could be just him supposing, you know, Apple's been adamant that there won't be a touch interface for a Mac. But that's not to say that they won't put a touch interface on something else that possibly could run Mac software. I still think they've got the perfect device, and that's their iPads. I think an iPad, when it snaps into the um, – and forgive me, I always forget the right name for it because they've got a couple different keyboard cases, and they're all named closely. But the one that has the touchpad with it. So now you've got a pointing device and a keyboard. You know, But even Mm -hmm. if you attached a a Bluetooth uh, keyboard and a Bluetooth mouse – you know, as long as you have a pointing device and a keyboard, there's no reason the iPad couldn't, you know, flip over into into Mac OS and run Mac apps if you wanted to. Right. You know? Right. 
And, and so I think that's the perfect, you know, combo device that allows you to do both if you need it to. Yeah. You know, well, it doesn't even kind of make sense when you think about a MacBook Pro. That's a, that's an exp- fairly expensive device. Yeah. They started over $2,000. Yeah. Compared to an iPad. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Anyway. Although, honestly, you get an iPad loaded up with enough space to hold the software, and, and, uh, and then you buy the keyboard case, which is a $300 add on, the keyboard with the touchpad. Yeah, I guess they think they need both keyboard and. Well, touch. if you yeah, you're going to have to have a way to control the cursor, so you have to have some sort of a touchpad or a mouse attached to it, and then you need a keyboard because those are requirements for the Mac interface, right? Right. So so and and they they would be sticking by what they said. They never put uh, a touch interface on the Mac. What they did right. is they put the Mac OS on a device that has a touch interface. <laughs> it's a subtle difference, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, just just a little. That's funny. But that way they could sell more devices. They figured that out. So yeah. That whole business yeah. is marketing. Yeah. Sell those things. Honestly, I think they're waiting, you know, they they not that they've ever been afraid to cannibalize their own business, but I think that they think that if they did something like that, that they would it would hurt Mac sales a lot, at least laptops, you know. And I think they're right in some sense. I think there are some people who would also still look at that and say, but that's not ergonomically, even in that case, it just doesn't balance right. It's, it's It's not really a laptop. It's It works as a laptop in most situations, but it's not the perfect compromise. Yeah, so. uh, but I did like the, the comments on this. This last guy says, I hope this feeling doesn't transfer to Apple Vision, you know, because now you don't even need to touch anything at all. Just get your hands out there and start sh- making recognizable uh, motions, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, they're getting us used to that, right, with the finger tap with the watch. And, uh, you know, they're, yeah. they're already starting to say, well, hey, look, you can do, just make these motions in the air and we'll teach you. You know, it'll yeah. magically things will happen. And so, yeah, but, but but the sentence prior, well, it's I guess it's part of the same sentence. Touch computers are a complete bust. Now, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. All the iPhones and iPads are all touch computers. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the most popular computing device in the there. world is a touch it's computer. Not a bust. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just. A, I think it's a matter of definition. He's saying. And, you know, something that is in the form factor of a computer is not is a bust as far as touch goes. Oh. And and okay, right? Well, computers. He's he's being specific to computers, right? Okay, when he when he said yeah, but I, I, that's just a matter of definition because the iPad. You know, even though Apple okay. run those commercials, going, "What's a computer?" You know, they, well, the, the iPad is a computer, and the iPhone is a computer. Yeah, um, that's what I meant. Yeah, and and I think ninety nine percent of the people would agree with you. Um, yeah. I mean, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, uh, what was it? Boy, it's probably been eight or nine years ago. I did a, a, a thing for a month. I didn't use any what we call computers, traditional computers. When mm-hmm. I wanted to type something, I did it on my phone with a Bluetooth keyboard, and I could do. I, I plugged an, an Apple TV into a computer monitor and did the um, uh, what is it? The uh, screen. Sh- um, uh, share to the to the apple tv so that i could have a big screen when i was typing if i wanted to and uh it was there were a few little quirks but it worked fine you know Mm -hmm. 
and I had you know, a perfectly good browser and a perfectly good word processor and, and spreadsheet, all that ran on my phone and that I, I could use my mouse and my keyboard. And, and, and when I was ready to go, I picked up my phone and took it with me, yeah. you know, you know, so yeah, yeah, they're at a point where you really have a computer if you want to plug all the stuff in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it supports the the use of mice and, and keyboards and and you can yeah. screen share out to uh, to a bigger monitor if you want. You, know, you, you don't need a desktop computer. And for a lot of people in the world, the only computer they own is their phone. You know, they don't yeah. even have a keyboard and a mouse and a big screen. They just use the phone. Uh, but I just thought, you know, I was used to more traditional computer type things. So I said, let me see if I can make this work that way. And it worked fine. Like I yep. said, there was, there was a few little quirks about like, um, and we run into this sometimes when we're doing FaceTime where like one device is in landscape mode and one is in portrait mode. When you try to turn it, things go sideways. Yeah. You right. know, mm -hmm. we've had some, there were some weird little quirks like that and I haven't tried it since then. I probably should. I mean... You know, I, I should go do that again. Yeah. Maybe between now and next week, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, you know, spend a day using my phone as if it was my, my desktop and see how <laughs> that goes. Oh, yep. excuse me. Got a big yawn there. That was professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. um, it seems that, uh, Mr. Warren Buffett has half of his $337 billion portfolio in, well, in Apple stock. I like to pat myself on the back and say, oh, Buffett showed up way too late. I was in Apple real yeah. early. And about you, the time I decided to get out just because of my age is when he first started to get in. Yeah, I think he's older <laughs> he's than older you. Than so. me, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they say that uh, he that Apple makes up a forty seven point five percent of Berkshire Hathaway's investment portfolio right now. Yeah, and again, neither of us are investment analysts. Do not do any investing based on anything we say. We're just re you know just telling you what has been reported about <laughs> what Berkshire Hathaway is doing. So so please don't you know lose all your money and then say it was my fault. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting that, and he's held it for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, and, and and if a lot of the warnings that I'm seeing these days about the uh, exchange, you know, the, what's going to happen to the money system, uh, it may not be all that beneficial, you know, for him. He may lose big. You yeah. know, people who make money big times they lose big too. I, yeah, a lot of people don't recognize uh, the '30s when the banks failed. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it, it was well, it's funny too because I we mean, put a whole bunch of of blocks in to stop that from happening, and then oh, slowly over the years, businesses have been lobbying against uh, to Congress to slowly dismantle a lot of those protections because they see opportunities that are risky, and yeah. and so a lot of the protections that were put in place after the stock market crash uh, in 1929. Um, yeah have been uh been dismantled and so yeah. you know that not not saying that there's going to be a crash again we're not analysts but uh but you know it's just something to be aware of you know although yeah. i will say to his credit or or in his in his defense slightly that um that buffett has traditionally gone with fairly um uh conservative conservative type of things and when he makes investments he explains them in terms of looking at 
the uh, the management of the company and saying, do these people make good decisions? And so he's basically betting on the people that are there making good decisions. You know, that's right. And yeah. uh, and obviously, Tim Cook has been making really good decisions ever since he took over. Um, you know, is it, it's it, Steve Jobs will go down as the the wonder kid of of Apple, you know, historically. But quite frankly, the major growth of Apple happened under Tim Cook's watch, not Steve Jobs. That's right. You know, I mean, Steve Jobs saved but the company the, from from from, you know, it, from its dying gasps there when he came back. So, you know, don't don't belittle that either. But uh, I don't think Tim Cook gets an, you know, because his personality isn't very dynamic by comparison. I don't think he gets as much as much credit. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I think the Apple that we know and see today would be different if if Steve Jobs were the guy making making the decisions. That said, he's also the guy that hired Tim Cook. So he knew. You know, well, the but, skill set that he needed. But a lot of what uh, Tim Cook did follows some very specific guidance that, that uh, Jobs basically started in the company. You know, so he's 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 such an advocate of Jobs that that it wasn't hard to to follow the same kind of guidance. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as far as some of the management within the company, and, yeah. and that you know, and giving those who had creative vision space to make that vision come to life that that certainly but i'm saying is you know the the decisions um you know I, again i just i don't want to i think i think that a lot of people assume that you know tim cook was just sort of holding the reins and everything magically happened and i just don't buy that i think you know uh. he's, he's been a, a phenomenal ceo for that company um you know and but he's not perfect you know, neither was well, Jobs, but well, but. even even while Jobs was still there, uh, Tim Cook just wasn't known about it. But he he was the logistics guy. Yeah, that, he he was uh, in the really, room when the decisions were made. Well, yeah, and, and and he and he drove the logistics part, which sure. turned out to be a really important thing. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting too. Um, I just was looking at something today. There was a quote uh, talking about. Uh, Tim Cook was talking about building things in China, and he he said that the um, that most people misunderstand why they are building things in China. He says a lot of people believe that we were building things in China because labor is cheap, and he said it, it's you know the last two and a half decades China has not been the cheapest place to build things. It's the skill set. They have the skill set of people to 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 run factories to do you know uh, to to run huge lathes and, and, uh, and, and, you know, high volume production things. And that is not something you can just pick up and transplant to another country, you know, even if the labor is cheaper, um, you know, it's, it's that, that requires the education and training. And, uh, and, uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody had said, you know, it's like, if we wanted to do that here, it, it would take, more than 10 years of training kids with the basic skill set so that as adults they could do that job and most of the people in this country don't want to do those those manufacturing jobs anymore that's right and so you know and that's why it's been a long slow slog for them to try to move manufacturing to places like india and vietnam and things like that because it's not just build the factory and stick people in there you've got to train people on how to do those things it's not a 
a low-skill job. That's the thing is, is I think people think of factory jobs as low-skill jobs. In a lot of cases, they're not. You know, they're very specific skills. (laughs) So, anywho. So, the uh, iPhone 15 overheating. Oh, you skipped uh, one. There was one that was 10 helpful Apple Watch tips. Now, that oh, was a video, which I don't tend to watch a lot, but it was interesting. Um, so, you know, th- things like, you know, you've got Siri on your um, on your watch. So you can, you know, say, hey, slow-mo, what is, what is this song? And it'll, like, listen using the microphone and, and use uh, Shazam and tell you, you know, what the name of the song is yeah. and who's singing it. Um, one of the, the first one they said was, you know, use the use your watch as a flashlight, which all that does is turn the screen completely white. And yeah. I think that is the uh, a really poor example of a flashlight. I usually, uh, w- in fact, I've never used it because it's, I think it's it puts out so little light even in that mode. So I use the um, the actual LED light on my phone as a flashlight, like the whole world, you know. So I thought some I, of the uh, some of the stuff I thought was a little. Um, yeah, I, the ideas it were might bad. Work as a flashlight, if you if you've turned out all the lights and you're trying to get from one room to another, uh, enough to see what you might run into, you know, I don't know. I, I might try that just for the heck of it. I never yeah. have. Yeah, I, I I think it's a poor excuse for flashlight. There are much better options that you usually have in your hand or your pocket, you know. And so I didn't think yeah. that was a particularly good one, but uh, but that was one of them. Was the uh, the flashlight. Uh, let's see. Two is um, uh, in in the current version of the OS. You can scroll up on your um, smart dial, and you'll get a stack of widgets. And if you have some mm-hmm. widgets that you like to see the most, you can press and hold on them, and then you can pin them. So you can put them at the top of the stack. So if there's information mm-hmm. that you like to have first, and that's kind of handy, I suppose. If you want, you know, if you want like a, a widget that you use a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like if, like say in, in one of the, if, if you're using a watch face that doesn't allow you to put a lot of complications on it and, uh, and you want access to, you know, quick access to like the weather at your location and, and a few other things that, you know, something else, you, you can do it as a widget and, and that you can pin it to the top if that's important to you. Um, I don't know when I do that, most of my widgets are, um, are, uh, well, Oops. the first one, first one on mine is a watch face, <laughs> which I already had, you know, an analog watch face if you had a digital watch. But anyway, and the next one is the weather for the next five days. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's going to rain or not. And the next one is the uh, exercise things, which I find absolutely useless. I'm annoyed by all the exercise crap on here. Oh, see, and, and uh, I think that most people, that's the primary thing that they use their watch for, other than just telling the time, is for tracking steps and exercise that's you know as a health device that's been one of the things so for mine Mm -hmm. i i i the thing i probably would want the most is the weather with the five-day forecast and it was down in my stack so i dragged it to the top and pinned it and then exercise is below that and then i've got a whole bunch of information from my calendar telling me when when that my green bay packers are playing tonight go pack go um (laughs) you know you gotta got to cheer your team on monday night football especially because it's you know national broadcast so i can watch it 
You know, my, my yeah. team being the Packers in the middle of the country, they'll have a national broadcast everywhere except Southern California where I have to watch the Rams or the or the Chargers. And I'm like, but I don't want to watch the Rams or the Chargers. I actually found out one time I could drive up to Bakersfield and Bakersfield got the national feed. I was like, I was really tempted to get in my car and drive to Bakersfield so I could watch my football game. Uh, the find your iPhone. I think I've shared this with you. That's one of the things. So if you bring up the, the little uh, control panel on your watch, um, mm-hmm. one of the options is to make your iPhone ding. I do that probably four times a week. <laughs> um, you can use the iPhone as a remote trigger for the camera on the phone that it's paired to. And that yeah. could be handy if you if you've got a you know if you've propped your phone up somewhere and you're trying to take instead of just doing a selfie, if it's on on a, uh, a mini tripod or something, you can yeah. snap a picture of you and whoever you're with, and you can trigger it using your watch. Now that means that every picture you take that way, you're going to be basically with one hand on top of the other pushing on the watch to snap the picture. But yeah. uh, you know, unless you set it up to do a timer, I guess you can have it set for a timer and do that. But yeah. that's kind of handy. Uh, mirror your watch on your phone. In accessibility, there's a way to go in and mirror your watch on your phone. And the watch face on the phone is at least 50%, maybe 100% larger. So it's bigger. So if you want to see what's on your watch, but your eyes aren't good enough to see what's on your watch and you can't find your glasses, um, then you can do it that way. But I don't think there's anything on my watch that's not on my phone, too. So why don't I just look on my phone if I've got my phone there? The idea of mirroring the watch on the phone doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, yeah. but you can. It's an accessibility feature. So for those of you who really like that, um, turn your water lock on and off. Um, why would you do that? Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, I I'm, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either. I, I kind of <laughs> missed that. But, uh, you know, it's like I don't wear my watch in the shower. And I guess you, if you're going swimming, you might be want to be aware of that. But I thought that it would basically go swimming. And then the only time you is when you got out, there's a way to clear the water out, right? Right. That's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you can set multiple timers. I set timers on my watch all the time. You can do it via Siri, uh, or you can use the little timer widget um, or the timer yeah. uh, complication. But you can do multiple timers now. It used to be you could, you'd have one timer at a time. Now you can have multiple timers going for different things, and you can name them, which is handy. You know, that's nice. That's an OS update. Um Take a screenshot of your watch. If you ever have something on your watch that you want to take a screenshot of, if you press the side button and the crown at the same time, it will take a screenshot and drop it into your photos on the paired Apple Watch or uh, paired iPhone, rather. So, and I've done that yeah. a couple times, and that's that's handy. Um, I yeah. I want to take pictures of my of my watch less often than I do the screen on my phone. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those who take a screenshot of my phone accidentally as much as not. But I almost always, if I'm doing anything where they give me a confirmation number, I do a screenshot. And that way I've just got it. Huh, I just took a couple. I don't know. I don't have my phone here to see if they. If they pop into your phone. They should anyway. be in your photos on your phone now. Well, I'm, I don't have my phone. Yeah. I, I, I could look at it on the computer, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Bother. 
And then anyway. something you and I ran across just before we started today. Um, you can use your phone to dictate into a, uh, messages. So if you see a message, somebody sends you an iMessage and you want to reply, you get some canned responses. You can go okay or no or yes or whatever. But there's also a little microphone icon there, and you can tap that, and then you can dictate your response. Ah, and I've sure, done that a few times. Translated if it understands mm-hmm. you. Yeah, that's assuming that it, it gets everything right. That was something that was supposed to be upgraded in the uh, most recent OSs too, though, is the, the dictation um, is supposed to be better. I haven't really done any experiments to find out if it is or not, or it works better for me. Honestly, my dictation, uh, my experience with dictation has been pretty good in the past. I don't know whether it's just mm-hmm. because, you know, I speak clearly and enunciate or what i you know knowing that it, that the technology is trying to read what i'm saying i i probably make an effort to speak more clearly than a lot of people would you know yeah um and then by doing this i think you and i both get used to speaking clearly <laughs> and, and specifically so i don't know well, I, I can speak distinctly. I'm not so sure my voice is clear. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> After hearing it the other day, I said, hmm. <laughs> that comes and goes. Depends on the time of day. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So uh, so now we can move on to the next thing that's up. The uh, thermal issues that everybody was concerned about with the iPhone 15. Uh, the ga- oh. pushed out an iOS update, iOS 17.0.3 that fixed a few bugs and also apparently fixed the thermal issues and several people got out their thermometers and compared you know before and after and said yep it fixed them and it doesn't seem to have made anything go slower so yay (laughs) yep yeah that's a techie article it is and it's one of those things that you know Every time they push out a new version of the operating system or, or a new device, there's always some fine-tuning that goes on, you know. I mean, they may be testing yeah. with several thousand people in their beta program, but, uh-huh. you know, then they when they go live with it, it's now millions and millions of people. And there's going to be some things that they just didn't catch. And so... Um, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they always do these little, little tiny bug fixes. And I mean, we've already had three of them since the phone came out and it's only been out a couple of weeks. Yep. So, you know, and that's not surprising. If you look at that every year, they do that. They're very responsive, especially early on in terms of like, Hey, this thing is, is, uh, you know, not doing something we expect it to do. Let's make a quick fix. It's interesting, though. I didn't realize that they said that when it was overheating, it was getting really hot, like like 105 to 107 degrees. It was getting wow. toasty, yeah. and uh, and now they said it it you know gets like 93. Which so so um, now that you've already got your phone cooked, so that it might not have a very long life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fix it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't, well, they don't didn't forget let... that you had it heated up to 105 degrees at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember I told you I was at the uh, traveling and and, uh, was at a zoo taking pictures and it got uncomfortably warm. And I actually took it out of the case. And then um, because it was a warm day, they had misters going on. And I walked under the mister Mm -hmm. and let my phone get misted a little bit. supposed to be waterproof, right? Um, so it wasn't even submerged, just a little bit of spray. A little <laughs> but bit of it sizzled while you, you knew yeah. it was hot. Well, I got a little spray on it and then walked around with it and let that evaporate off. And, then, and it cooled it down pretty quickly, actually. So, you know, if your phone if your phone's getting hot, drop it in some cold water. 
<laughs> right? It's waterproof for 30 minutes up to 10, uh, was it 10 feet or 10 meters or something like that? No, put it in your freezer. It'll defrost things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'll melt your ice cubes. So, uh, anyway, it seems like the, um, the, uh, thing seems to be working. They said here, little or no variance with pre-update benchmarks of both phones. So, uh, And these are both models of the Pro iPhone 15. Um, so, you know, and that's why I got to go find something that talks about the benchmarks because I, I you know, I don't know. I, maybe it's something I read. Maybe it's just the sense that I get, but I've not seen anything and it doesn't seem any, you know, particularly different in terms of using it. Um, you know, I've had a few little hiccupy things, mm-hmm. but you know, the other thing is, is that you know, the first few days after you get a new phone, uh, regardless of what model it is, I mean, you went through it when you got your iPhone 13 Mini, uh, is it's in the background, it's doing all kinds of stuff to to get it, you know, back to where it was because it's like it it'll reload all of the apps and and reload all of your settings, but then all of the indexes and stuff that it keeps in there to make things happen snappy have to be rebuilt. Yeah. And so it's scanning through all of your photos and it's scanning through all of your messages and, you know, so that you can do quick finds and things on the phone. And so even when you're not doing anything, it's really busy for a few days. And then that all mm. settles down once it gets caught up. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, initially your battery life isn't as good as you thought it might be. And the phone's going to be a little warmer because it's working really hard. And that all then eventually goes. I read somebody pointed out, and this made sense to me, is that the aluminum frame that's then bonded to the titanium rim on the Pros is mm-hmm. a much better thermal transfer than the stainless steel that was there before. So yeah. it's going to get sure. hotter. It's going to feel hotter that's, because that's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. That's right. It's bringing <laughs> that heat out. Yeah. Um, which... A lot of people don't think in in those terms, but you know, yeah, it's a better conductor of heat. It's yeah, it's, that, that doesn't exactly. mean it's going to be cool. It's going to be hot because it's a better conductor of the heat. It's moving it out right into your yeah. hand. <laughs> well, see, you should have a longer uh, a phone that lasts longer now because it's not not confined to the inner space. Yeah, the heat, you know. Right. Yeah, and they shouldn't have to throttle CPUs or anything because it's moving the heat out better. So, because you know they, I mean, whether it's used or not, they it, the system is designed to monitor that temperature and to drop processing speed and things that create heat in order to balance that out. And so, you know, actually, it's a very good good metal to build things out of. Yeah, got a lot of strength and. And if you believe things. the Apple commercials on TV, it falls from the sky. It's from the edge of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> After Yep. So there's an article I found. Yeah, it's, it's I took my iPhone 15 Pro Max and 13 Pro Max to Yosemite for a camera test. Now, I didn't bring my older phone with me, but I recently was on a trip to the Grand Canyon to the little uh, Colorado River Gorge, and to the Phoenix Zoo. And I took photos with my iPhone 15. Now, with me were my two daughters. One has an iPhone 11 and one has an iPhone 11 Pro. And then I also brought a uh, a, a uh, Olympus OM-1 interchangeable lens camera. 
And my younger daughter is uh, a bit of a photographer like I am, and she glommed onto the Olympus and liked it a lot. But both of them kept borrowing my phone to take pictures because they were noticeably better than the pictures they could get from the iPhone 11s. And I thought the iPhone 11s was a, was a pretty good phone. And in fact, the iPhone 11 Pro that my youngest daughter has, uh, it was mine. That's what I had before I upgraded to the iPhone 14 last year. And I will tell you, um, just comparing some pictures that I took with my iPhone 14 and my iPhone 15 uh, now, the photos on the iPhone 15 are just better. They're clearer. There's more contrast. They don't. The 14 seemed like they over-sharpened things and that the colors were a little over-processed, so things didn't quite look natural. And the 15 just looks gorgeous. I, I, it's, it's probably the the best camera that I've ever owned for 99% of my shots. There are some things you just can't do with an iPhone. You know, you're even with the longer lens, you're not going to zoom in as well as you can with a bigger camera, uh, especially in lower lights and stuff. But, um, you know, so I will still have some, you know, real cameras. What do you, Right, and the couple standing on top. Yeah. Oh, it shrunk on you, huh? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know. You sent me a, um, I think it was you sent me the, the. Then you sent a link that was. Oh yeah. So uh, yesterday at about one thirty my time, you sent me a thing where a guy uh, was doing a comparison between a. Uh, uh, a Canon R5 digital camera and the iPhone 15 Pro Max. And he would take the same picture with both of them back to back. It was a video. And I watched that and he only puts the, like he'll put the two pictures up side by side and then tell you which one it is, but they're only up for just a like half a second. And then he tells you which one it is, but literally in that half a second, I correctly identified which was the iPhone 15 and which was the 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 Canon camera all but one time. It was just, you know, it the iPhone 15 looks really good. The Canon, the standalone Canon with the, you know, large sensor and the big lenses was better. Um, but most people I don't think would care. Yes, that's the one that has the 48 megapixel um, sensor as well. And I agree. That's where most of your pictures are going to be taken is off of that camera and that lens. And uh, now the this thing about it's essentially four lenses, eh, that's doing some, some pixel games. It's one lens. It's one lens, one sensor. But they're but they're even though it's a forty eight megapixel sensor, they're not calling it a forty eight megapixel camera. What they're saying is that you'll get twenty four megapixel images off of it, and so uh, the, you know if you take 
the 48 and crop it in half, that gives you a two times lens. And if you do it at once, then we take the 48 pixels and we combine them to make, you know, so they're, they're playing a lot of pixel games, you know, um, but uh, that they are and and their hardware processes those you know pictures in real time at each of those different sizes and makes some beautiful images beautiful images so um yeah so anyway my experience was is that uh like on a vacation if you've got an iPhone 15 Pro especially the Pro Max with the or the Pro Max with the with the the longer telephoto lens you don't need another camera with you most people are going to be fine. There are some people who are photographers or, or you know, what you would call, um, uh, you know, hobbyists in photography who would say, no, there are some things I can get better with a dedicated camera. And I would say they're probably right if they know what they're doing. But um, but the amount of, of data that they capture and the clarity of that data and the overall balance of the photos, uh, the iPhone just does an amazingly good job. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a stunning camera. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have a whole lot more to go here. I did want to say, um, you know, I did uh, another article that I read recently was talking about the um, uh, a comparison between the top of the line Samsung phone right now, which I think is the 23, the Galaxy S23 and the iPhone. And given the quality of the cameras these days, he f- figured it was going to be a push. And he was surprised to, say, to find when he was doing side by side comparisons that no, the iPhone 15 was clearly the winner and, and, and had much better photos. But we're two months away from Samsung pushing out the S24. So, you know, they'll, they'll leapfrog each other. I'm sure the S24 will have some wonderful features and functions as well. So, um, but the quality of the photos on phones nowadays is such that if you get a Google, a Samsung, or, or an iPhone at the, the, the top of the line devices, it's, you know, it, what do you like, really? It's, it's, it's comes down to just choice, you know, your pre- preference for, for operating systems, your preference for look and feel, and then your preference for how the photos look, because they're all good quality. It's, there's, there's no bad, no bad ones. So, um, so, uh, let's, I had put in two more articles, but I want to skip to the last one. Uh, the last one wasn't so much of an article, but a topic of conversation is, you know, we were talking about cameras. Uh, this coming weekend, there's going to be an annular eclipse. Yeah. And what that means is it's like a total eclipse, except that the moon is at its perigee, meaning that the orbit of the moon around the earth is not perfectly circular. And at sometimes it's a little closer and sometimes it's a little further. This time it happens to be a little further. So the moon is going to pass in front of the sun, but because the moon is further from us, it's going to be perfectly centered on the sun and it will block out 90% of the sun, but there'll be a, a an orange hoop around it that it can't completely block out. If the moon happened to be in its apogee, meaning closer to us, it would completely block out the sun and that would be a total eclipse. So the total eclipse and an annular eclipse are the same thing, but the moon is further away in the annular eclipse. Yeah, and so I did a little research because I heard about the eclipse and I wanted to know about it. Well, I live on the West Coast, and it's going to start 
in Oregon in the U.S., and it'll come across the top corner of California, then through um, uh, part of uh, Utah, and then it's going to exit the U.S. somewhere down in southern Texas, and then it'll uh, kind of go across the top part of South America. And so uh, if you follow where it's going to go. So I did a little math the other day and looked at the maps and said, hey, you know what? It's a six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour drive. So I'm going to go up and get pictures of the eclipse. Yeah. So Friday, I'm going to drive up to uh, to uh, St. George, Utah, and that's about 45 minutes from uh, Beaver, Utah, where it won't be its totality, but it'll be at its, its uh, uh, largest coverage. And so I'll get up the next morning and about 1035 for about eight minutes or, or seven minutes, something like that. Maybe it's even less than that. Uh, the, the annual, annular eclipse will be at its highest coverage, which is about 90%. So you are, and I bought a few years ago some, uh, uh, material that you can put over your lens cover that blocks the majority of sunlight so that you don't damage your cameras. It's with a total eclipse. You know, as it's happening, you have to use something to protect your eyes uh, or, or and your cameras. But when it's in totality, then you can look at it because all you see is the corona. And 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 so that's you've got a few seconds there, a few minutes where you can look at it with your naked eye. With the annular eclipse, it doesn't fully cover the sun. So you're actually looking at part of the sun. Uh, granted, 90 percent of it is cut down. So, you know, you'll feel the temperature drop. And uh, but anyway, I I did it. I shot at a solar eclipse uh, a few years ago up in Washington. I've got some some photos that I really liked. And I just thought, you know what, I've never done the annular eclipse thing and i've got the lens film to protect my lenses so um i'm gonna go for it so so yeah next week i will uh uh share with you that and what i'll do is when we post our podcast i will post some images as the um art of the you know so we'll have our regular uh uh icon for the for the show but while you're listening when we start talking about the eclipse uh and the experience there and and what i saw i'll put some of the images there for people to see so if you're watching listening to the podcast you can uh most podcast players show the the show art and it will change uh when we're talking about the eclipse so yeah yeah so like when we talk about something that's visual i can put an image of it i can embed that in the podcast so, um, I use a, uh, a little piece of software that it was written by Marco Arment, uh, for podcast producers called forecast. And he built that just for himself to put together things. So like if they wanted to, uh, embed photos or, or, uh, you know, uh, take the, take the audio file and make sure it's in top shape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll share it with you separately but then but but if you want to go back and watch the podcast or listen to the podcast when we talk about the um eclipse next week i will have embedded the images so that way anybody who's listening to the podcast can see that those images or at least a few i'm not i mean i'll probably take a, i'll probably take a few hundred photos um so, and then the last thing that we kind of skipped over was uh, I had found a thing where they were comparing Tesla and SunPower, which are the two number uh, two top selling solar 
uh, home solar systems. So if you own a home and you want to install solar, you use, uh, most people either end up talking to Tesla or SunPower. And I learned a little bit. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, the They both use different um, solar panels and... Right. Well, that's the when Tesla bought out Solar City, they still sell the tiles, but then they also sell the panels. But they have different maximum efficiencies. SunPower's is twenty two point eight percent, and Tesla's is twenty point nine percent. So their panels aren't quite as efficient. Uh, SunVault has a um, twenty five year uh, warranty, saying that they will continue at up to ninety two percent of their capabilities at 25 years, whereas uh, Tesla's is uh, 85% after 25 years. Um, the Sunvolt has four different size kilowatt hour batteries to s- store the power in. Um, the Tesla sells the 13.5 kilowatt hour power wall, and those could be stacked. Uh, Sunvolt has four sizes. They could be at 13, 19.5, 26, and 39 kilowatt hours. So um, you get a little bit, a few more options there. Uh, so, uh, you know, the uh, but Tesla does offer the slightly less efficient but very sleek-looking solar tiles. Um, uh, SunPower has a sister company, Maxion, that makes their industry-leading efficiency. Uh, they're a little less expensive and more efficient. Uh, from Q cells, and that's so their panels are different, uh, and they're both available in all fifty states. So, oh, Tesla does do a price match, so they will they will price match anybody else. Whereas SunPower doesn't; they just said, "Here's our prices." So, so anyway, you know a little bit about solar. I've it's one of those things that I've thought about and thought it would be interesting. I actually when Tola, when Tesla announced those the the tiles, I was put on a mailing list to see if they were, you know, when they're available, but found that my roof won't support the weight of those kind of tiles. And so I, I can't use that. Um, but I thought about the idea that, you know, I've got like a breezeway that's, uh, the, that's, uh, uh, next to the house. And right now it's just a, a aluminum or tin roof thing there. Uh, but you know, you could rebuild that to make it a little bit more beefed up and then put the solar panels on that. So, um, you know, I've thought about it. I've also thought about buying a couple smaller solar panels and just putting them up on my own just to play with, to see a little bit about how it works. And so, generation energy. Yeah. 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 Well, it doesn't have to be sold back because uh, you could buy the battery system from either of these companies that I talked about, and you can store, charge up your batteries, and that way you can continue to use your solar power overnight. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the, there's a, um, uh, oh yeah, it is. Yeah. In addition to it. Yeah. No, no, they, a lot of them don't. And so that's a different thing. There's a, uh, a really good documentary that was done by Jonathan Scott. He's one of the property brothers from HGTV where he was trying to put in solar on his home in Las Vegas. And he wanted, he converted his home to run on both wind and, uh, and, uh, solar power and then trying to work within the laws that are have been set up around that and he says essentially what's happened is that the uh that the all of the laws that are being written around home solar uh generation are laws that are being sponsored by the companies that own the electric companies and so they're making it so that it's they still win whether you whether you're doing it or not and he said the large the largest number of those are owned by Berkshire Hathaway and so he was very angry at uh at the whole system because they keep talking about wanting everybody to be you know try to go on clean power and stuff he said but then they they change the rules on you regularly about you know like like in in Nevada where he his home was when he was doing this um they the idea was that you were required to sell your excess power back to the grid but then they also came back and said but now they don't have to actually pay you for that excess power so they they passed a law saying you had to give it back and then they didn't have to take it back so so you still so you still had to pay for electricity at night and you weren't getting any benefit of giving them free electricity when you had excess electricity and I mean, he he just felt like the game was very rigged. It was very interesting to watch his documentary and his, see his frustrations around trying to build this, you know, clean home with air and 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 solar and all of the laws that have made it really really hard. Now, of course, they're different in every state, so you have different issues to deal with. But but you know who some of the players are. And it's interesting to see that you know your your local you know Edison company is doing everything they can to make sure that whatever you do doesn't put them out of business. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, and, and the law changes, you know, you could spend all this money to put that in and then they change the laws. They change the laws, you know, again. And, and, you know, who, who's the one who writes the laws? Well, the one who has the money to go and lobby against the, uh, the state legislature. And that's not you and me, but, you know, your local Edison company. And I say Edison, they've all got different names, but, uh, He does. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nowadays, I wonder if that were to happen. I bet they wouldn't do that because you'd be running LED and you go like, well, why would I change? Why would I pay you for power when my lights are perfectly bright already? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you have batteries to smooth over the, the slow spots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you live here. Can you imagine the people out in um, that live at the, the foot of the mountains over there um, at the pass? I mean, you know, they don't know what a calm day is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, and California has passed a law saying that new, new homes have to have, um, have to have solar built into them. But to be honest, I haven't gone any further into that to say, well, what happens with that solar? Does that mean that, you know, I can capture it all and keep it on a battery or am I required to feed that back into the grid by law? You know, they required that I build it with it. They may require that I give it back to them too. You know, and it's just a tax to me, basically, to pay for building it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, you know, if you live in a uh, in in Southern California, it it seems silly not to almost if you're building a new house, just add that into the cost of building the house because I mean, we get sunshine, we get sunshine so many days out of the year here that that uh, you know, you should be taking advantage of that. It's, you know, I I I don't disagree with the concept of of, you know, turning that into something that you amortize over the 30 year or however long your mortgage is, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, it's essentially a tax. If I have to pay for it in my mortgage over 30 years, this extra cost of putting it in, but then they also put the law in saying that not only do I have to have it, but that they get the power from it. You know, it's, Sounds like something that, and I don't know, and again, I don't know what the laws are because I haven't looked into it, but it sounds something very much like the way California would do things, you know. Yes, yes, we're going to be green and you're going to pay for it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, you know. Go live off the grid. Then you don't have to share any of your power. It's all yours. (laughs) I think on that thought, we should just call it a day, don't you? We've been going for an hour and a half. It's time time to wrap it up. And, uh... Anyway, hopefully I'll have a, a safe journey and get some cool pictures of an annular eclipse and, and uh, be able to share those next week. Exactly. <laughs> six and a half hours to get there, six and a half hours home, got to buy meals on the road, and I get, you know, six and a half minutes of, of like, wow, cool, neat, okay, let's go home. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, you know what? Wasn't the cra- that was the commercial, right? There was that Apple commercial about the crazies. Yeah, I'll, I'm happy to be counted amongst the crazies. So I, when I did the total eclipse, we were up in Oregon. Actually, we were in a little town called Fossil, and a cute little town, really neat and wonderful people, real friendly. Um, and uh, I think they probably tripled their population for an afternoon. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how uh, it, it looks to me like um, uh, Beaver, Utah's population is about two or 3,000. So I suspect they're probably going to get much bigger for an afternoon as well. <laughs> so anyhow, we'll see how it all goes. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll be back again next week on Generation Tech.